Hey, everybody. It's Mark Levine from the NYC Real Estate Podcast. I'm from property management uh, company EBMG in New York City. And we're here with Jeff Carlton, the owner of Carlton Energy Consulting. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Hey, nice to have. Thank you for having me, Mark. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So today, what we wanted to talk about is um, if you've been around New York City, we've seen a lot of residential buildings popping up with energy grades on them, similar to what you would see on a restaurant, how you have the A, B, C um, on a restaurant. And it's obviously a little bit different because we're dealing with residential buildings and we're not dealing with food. Um, but before we get into that, well, a few things. Um, if you want to, uh, first of all, send me an email. Uh, you can always do so at mblevine at ebmg.com. That's my corporate. Or we could do my podcast email, which is nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're all, all over social media and obviously you're listening to this podcast. So we would love it if you could share it um, and also subscribe and like it or rate it. That'd be great. So Jeff, um, from Carlton Energy Consulting, tell me about your background and how you got into this labyrinth that we're dealing with now in terms of energy in New York City. Sure. Thank you. Um so I, I kind of backed into energy consulting and, and energy management. I worked as a property manager outside of, you know, once I graduated school for a very, very large landlord. And I just started to learn the business and I looked for different ways to, you know, operate the business, increase the rent roll, you know, improve the hallways, provide a better experience for tenants. Um, and we were always looking at ways to drop costs. And then I would walk into the buildings and they'd be 85 degrees. So, yeah. you know, we would be renovating and, and improving our tenants, you know, services, but we would be providing so much heat that people had their radiators closed and their windows open. Um, right. And I just could never understand why that was. I mean, you know, people who own the buildings are, are going home to thermostats, so they are efficient with their heating bills, but in an investment property or, you know, a multifamily building or a co-op looking to drop their costs, they're just running, running, running boilers. So long story short, I realized that people in real estate did have, it was hard to focus on it, you know, cause I would, it would be, I would be hot on it, but then I would have a move in or a inspection or something else. So um, while I learned the energy, I worked with that owner and, and he, you know, helped me get started uh, on my own. And yeah. really the premise of Carlton energy is that, you know, business owners in real estate are busy. Um, they want to save money, but they don't have the time and expertise to, to focus on energy reduction all the time. And so we've built a firm that understands the, you know, the needs of real estate owners and helps them drop their energy consumption and comply with regulations. And it kind of plays into where New York City is going in the future. So maybe you started it in a, a very good spot, you know, in history, but from what we're seeing, New York City has been regulating buildings that are right now. It's well, first it started with fifty thousand square feet, and then it dropped to twenty five thousand square feet. Um, so there's different local laws, right? So from twenty five thousand to forty nine 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 nine, it's local law one, local law one thirty three, which is your yearly energy benchmarking, and then for fifty thousand and over square feet, it's local law eighty four, right? And then the buildings that are 50,000 square feet that are subject to that local law 84, they also every 10 years have to do an extensive engineering review with a company like yourself to do 
um, a complete overview of the building and see where the recommendations would be so that they could retrofit. For, uh, this is your wheelhouse. I'm not going to leave the conversation, yeah, you, but I'm just yeah, framing I mean, so, it, it, you know, yeah, in, in that sense. Yeah. I mean, this whole process started with what's called benchmarking roughly 10 years ago. The city said, if your building's above 50,000 square feet, we want to know how much energy it's consuming. And essentially you, you take your gas bills your oil bills and your electric costs, and that's for the public area and the tenants. It all goes into one system called the EPA Portfolio Manager, and that generates a score essentially from one to 100, 100 being the most efficient building and one being the least efficient building. Um, you have to file it by May 1st. So for example, if it's 2018's fuel consumption has to be filed by May 1st of 20. 19. They basically right. give you four months to get it together. And look, I'm in this business and we were just like everybody else. We were just filing it once a year to help people avoid a violation. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's all this incredibly valuable data that was just sort of sitting there and, and being fully transparent myself, other firms, I've no one was really paying much attention. It was just get it filed, avoid a violation, move on to the next thing. Um, so that started to that really changed with the, the letter grades. And I'll get in, into that. But they, yeah. it started with we just want to know your energy consumption. Then in 2013, Local Law 87 came into existence where every 10 years, based on the, the, the last number of your block, an approved firm has to walk through your building, let you know everything you have in your building, your heating type, your cooling type, your, you know, ventilation, lighting, and you can uh, complete what's called retro commissioning, which is essentially getting the building operating the way it, it's supposed to be running. That's it in its, in its simplest way. Effectively, that's a, a checklist from the city outlining light levels, heating levels, boiler performance, um, pipes being insulated, water leaks, really things that you'd want to do anyway. The city is essentially making sure that buildings that are 50,000 square feet and up are doing this sort of required work once every 10 years. Yeah. Then in a few years ago, they added local law 133, which was energy data for buildings 25,000 square feet and up. And, you know, which has really brought us to local law 33 or may also be called local law 95, which is the signs. Now this is the first time that that energy data that we've all just sort of been filing and, and not paying attention to um, is being posted in a public way. So everybody who walks by a building above 25,000 square feet can see the letter grade a being yeah. super efficient down to F being you didn't file it. And I can imagine because I am getting we've we've downloaded we've used you guys as our firm for this and we've downloaded all of the um, and charted all of the energy grades the letters plus the number so I know that there are buildings that maybe maybe better built new construction that maybe are you know a little bit more energy efficient those are you know getting the A's I'm even seeing some surprising results on buildings where. I was convinced that we would be on a C or a D and they got an A or a B. But then I have buildings that assume that they were in good energy shape that went the other way where they're, we're posting a D grade and we'll go through the different grades. But 
I, I guess this is, and I've been, been explaining it to clients that this is really setting the table for the next few years. This is the first time that we're seeing these letter grades. Um, why don't we walk through that? So if, if basically the score is for a letter grade of A, it's anything above an 80, it's 85 and above. Yep. For a B, it's 70 to 84. For a C, it's 55 to 69. For a D, it's under 54. An F means not filed. And I think an N means that they don't need to file, right? Right. And that letter grade, that number, so let's say a building has a 95 and it gets an A, that's based on your EPA portfolio manager score. That's right. You get. Yeah. So yeah, those are, those are the numbers. And and yes, um, just because the building is new construction, it could be LEED certified, it could be all, it could have LEDs up and down, doesn't mean it's going to get a good grade. Right. And just because the building is older, doesn't mean that it's going to get a bad grade. Um, in fact, a lot of the older buildings with with fewer bells and whistles will actually perform better on a per square foot basis. Um, if you have a centrally heated steam or hot water system and you have led lighting and you're only running your building to 71 72 degrees and your boiler is well tuned you're going to have a good energy score you're going to have a probably an a or a b um, if you have a new building and you're running the air conditioning in the hallways 24 7 all summer you know from mid-april through mid-october you're you're going to use a lot of electricity and electricity can really hurt your grade so yeah age of the building that will not dictate the energy score. Can we go through now that we know what the grades are and we know that we do it yearly. Um, we have a few Ben, we have a few landmarks in front of us in one in 2024 and that's to reduce our consumption by how much, what was the percentage roughly? Not there isn't a specific percentage, but it, it effectively, um, there's a ratio as far as, um, um, tons of um, carbon emissions to the square footage of the building. Um, a good a, a rule of thumb would be if your energy grade is below 25, 20 to 25, you're, you're in range to miss your 2024 requirement. That's a good, you know, they, okay. essentially they're, they're, they're basically saying for this first round, we want the energy hogs, the most inefficient buildings where clearly they're not doing anything to run an efficient building. We want those addressed by 2024. And then pushing the, the timetable a little bit further, we have to reduce emissions further by 2030, correct? Yeah. 2030 is where you're looking at, typically we see on average from where buildings currently are, like between a 30 and 50% reduction in, in, in energy consumption. And the fines could be substantial. If we're, if, let's say we took a building with a D and we did nothing and we did nothing until 2030, the city would come back to us and they would fine the building um, a certain amount of money per percentage point not saved, right? And that could be yeah. significantly expensive. Yeah, and it can be, and it's it's annual. Um, so yeah, starting in 2024, your build, now it depends, you know, rent stable, you know, if a building has rent stabilized units, um, we can get to that. It's not subject to the specific fine that they've currently outlined, which is $268 per extra um, ton of carbon emission. So they, they basically said, the more you're emitting beyond the, the requirement, the, the, you know, the higher the fine. So it's sort of like a sliding scale. Really, really inefficient buildings are lined up to get potential significant fines, especially if they're free market. Um, so if I have a building that's an A right now, and they, let's say they have a 95, 
Yep. Is there much that they have to do considering everything stays the same until 2030? Or are they still going to have to inch up from 95 to 100%, you know, efficient, you know, of their grade and yeah, still get I mean, fined? Here's what I would say. They, if you have an extremely efficient building with an A right now, you should find out why, you know, at a minimum. So it might be that the super has been there for 20 years and he, he knows the building like the back of his hand and he's constantly, you know, like tweaking settings. And, and you know, there are some fantastic building operators out there. Um, you should know why you have an A and what you're doing. So if he retires and someone that comes in doesn't know, you know, at least there's a, there's a reason that this building is running efficiently. Right. So you're in a better position because you have something working. You just need to find out why and, and, and sort of document that so it can be maintained. The other advantage that you have in a building like that is you still might be slightly below your 2030 goal, but you may be able to get there with um, like a boiler downsizing or like a a, a a project that might be helpful anyway that isn't extremely capital intensive. Whereas um, if you're so, so far behind, you might need multiple projects in order to hit your 2030 goal. So um, if you're running well, you're in a better position for 2030 and you don't have to worry, worry about 2024. Right. And I, and this, um, since it's a yearly filing and it was probably put off a little bit because of COVID the, the you know, the extension on the initial filing for this year. Right. Um, but next year we're going to do this again. And then the following year. So if somebody has an a grade, or even if, if they have a D grade, it could, it could shift over the next few years and next year's grade could look different. And I think the helpful thing for us as managers is going to be um, keeping track of each building and seeing how they're um, transitioning year over year. Are they getting more efficient? Are they getting less efficient? Is it staying the same? So maybe there's something that we could take a look at with the data that you have, you know, year over year, and we could kind of pour over it and see what made this year different. You know, where did we go wrong? Where did we go right? And then that's going to lead towards those um, extra steps. So beyond um, the energy, so energy for for this report, for the 133 and for the 84 report, which is the yearly report, that is, is there anything more than, is it water? It's electric, it's gas, it's oil? Yep. Is, are those the four components? Those are the four that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, some buildings are running on Con Edison steam. Yeah. So, um, you know, Con Ed steam, but yeah, mainly it's your Con Ed usage plus your DEP water consumption plus your fuel consumption. When a building has individual um, gas service to apartments and, you know, for cooking uh, purposes, are those individual units being uh, looked at or is it just the common elements of the building? Everything. So even the electric consumption of the tenants is is factored into the score. Um, Con Edison releases what's called an aggregate report, and it downloads it into the EPA portfolio manager, where it's all the common areas, common gas, uh, but it's also the tenant electric. So it is extremely difficult to get tenants to you know change habits or change light bulbs, but if tenants are aware or, you know, tenants or um, board members or co-op, you know, um, anybody who lives in the building, any resident is aware of the goal that you're trying to hit. Um, 
you know, it might inspire them to put in LED bulbs and, and run air conditioner less. So, um, yeah, I mean, the tenants typically in, in a multifamily property with a central boiler, the tenant electricity can be between 10 and 15% of the overall energy consumption in the building. Yeah. So that is a, a big factor. Yeah. And I think looking holistically at buildings now and seeing, okay, these are the, these are the targets that we have moving forward for a lot of the buildings that may not have um, an updated heat timer system, may not have those sensors that work off of the desired indoor temperature versus the outside. So we're not, you know, maybe we're running more efficiently um, having, as you said, LED lights trying to promote programs so that people can in their apartments do it. Maybe also having a hot water heater for if they don't have it in the, in the boiler room so that the boiler doesn't need to operate in the, in the summer months only the, the hot water heater, which would save us on the cycling time and hopefully the gas usage. So there's a lot of things at play that a building can look at. And as part of your uh, scope of work, just in general, looking at a building in terms of, okay, analyzing their windows, any you know leaks that they have in terms of air, because when, when we're seeing that there's just leaks all over, you know that's, that's going to shift the the balancing of the building and the the energy use significantly. So I don't know what you guys do beyond um, the paperwork and the the you know collecting all this evidence and then putting it out to the EPA tool and then having that number spit out. But what are the next steps that you guys could help us with to to get over the hump? Excellent question. So yeah, most people when you ask them who benchmarks they. They have to think about it for a while, then they call their finance team, and then they they find out, and they you know they they don't even know who they are. So, it's important that you know who's benchmarking your building because you're going to start if you're not doing it now, you're going to have to start working with them um, more and more often. So our approach is this: you know, there's solar panels, there are there are all kinds of cogeneration. There's a lot of stuff that you can do. Um, we can visit any building. The first thing that we look at is where is the energy going, right? So if we see a building that's a multifamily building and you're using, you know, a certain amount of fuel, it's significantly over what it should. You know, we have a pretty good idea that the energy waste is in your heat and hot water. If your electric bills are high for common areas or demand charges are high, we know. So we, we, we can give you an idea without visiting what's happening. Um, if a board is serious or a building is serious about reducing energy costs, yes, we can go to the building. We can outline our, our expertise. And I think what everyone should start with is common sense measures, not, you know, not large scale projects, you know, making sure your pipes are covered. You don't have cold air blowing in. You, your heating plant is controlled and monitored with indoor feedback. Um, if you have a steam system that it's properly vented, that your burner is running at 84%. These are all kind of like boring things. You know, no one really likes to do this stuff, but if you do it all, you can typically reduce your energy consumption 20 to you know 30%. Right. So you want to, you don't want to talk about solar panels when you have T12 bulbs in the basement running 24 seven in all of your storage areas, you know, you want to get all of the, you know, and, and, Con Edison and National Grid will contribute towards these measures. So you really want to get someone out in the field, come up with a plan, see what the utilities will cover, if anything. And as I call it, do your homework, do the dirty work, then see, okay, I've, 
I'm controlling everything. My pipes are insulated. Cold air isn't blowing in. I've done the best I can. Where am I? And then if that's not getting you, you know, that'll 99.9% get you past 2024. Then it's a question of how much further do you want to go? And that's where you could potentially look for like a, an engineering firm to, you know, to potentially do larger scale projects to help reduce consumption. I had a building yesterday that got an A actually. They asked me, now that we have this A grade, and I know that it's going to shift possibly next year, but they said, and I had no idea. So I was like, well, I'm talking to Jeff tomorrow. Let me, let me ask him. Is there any way that if a building has an A, if they could, is there any sort of applying for any sort of Energy Star certification? You can apply for Energy Star certification if a building's energy score is 75 or better on the EPA portfolio manager. So that's A or B. I mean, it's partially or, B. Yeah, yeah. So you can do that. Um, and I could be wrong. I don't know if there's a financial benefit to doing it other than, you know, having the grade in front and, and you know, showing that you're proactive. But yeah, you can have an engineer sign off on it and become an energy star building. It's just, it's not going to lead to some sort of like tax credit or anything at this moment in time. But yeah, I mean, they, they absolutely can do it. I think it's a good precedent to have. I think it, you know, sets a tone for the building. Um, yeah, if your energy grade is 75 or greater and you're, you've confirmed that you, your, all of your information is accurate and an engineer has reviewed it, you can, you can have an energy star building. Okay. And Energy Star is different than LEED certification. Typically, like LEED yeah. certification is how it was designed. You know, the way I like to see it, it's not as simple as I'm saying it, but it, a good rule of thumb is LEED certification means it was designed to be efficient. Right. Um, Energy Star means it is efficient. So if I had to choose one, I would take a building that's Energy Star because that's a good indication that it is, in fact, operating efficiently compared to other buildings. Right. So, um, so a lot, I, I'm getting pushback on a lot of buildings where it's a C or a D because it's not yep. expected. It's always the, but we didn't, you know, when you go to a restaurant and I don't know in a restaurant, I manage buildings with restaurants, but I would imagine that the health department would come in, they would do an inspection. Sometimes they may say, okay, I'm coming back, make sure this, this, this is done. And then, you know, you can have your grade reviewed. In this case, what we had was we did the paperwork, the the tool spit out the number and the grade, and then that's what you got. So a lot of buildings were were saying to me, well, we didn't have an opportunity to make it better, yet here we are with a D on our door. And we, you know, that could hurt sales in the building. It could hurt leasing in the building because it almost has this, if nobody, that's why this is so important to talk about today. Because nobody knows what it means. You know, nobody knows that it really doesn't mean anything today. It does, you know, you're energy inefficient, but it's it's really giving us the tools for tomorrow. Um, so we had to put out, you know, a memo to to our residents to say, okay, this is this is now on your door and this is why. Um, and this is the the roadmap for us to move forward as we watch it year to year. And then next year we'll have a different, um, hopefully a different score. So are you receiving a lot of pushback from your clients that you did this for where unexpectedly a D comes in and it, you know, it's a nice building or maybe it's not even a nice building, but nobody wants to see a D as I said, it's not, I've turned away from restaurants because they've had a B, you know, and I just yeah. like something is funky there. I'm good. I'll go to the A restaurant. This is yeah. a little different. It's not really affecting your, your health in, in certain ways. But it is jarring enough where they're worried that in a slow market already because of COVID, 
um, you know, is this going to be more detrimental for us than it was before? Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people. So you're not unique. I mean, just about every management company is, is coming back with this and, and board members are surprised. They didn't know about this. Why is this on the door? Um, if, if you don't put it on the door, there's a $1,250 fine. So that's just one of the reasons that it's, it's on a good incentive to put it. Yeah. yeah. Good incentive to do it. Um, so that that's one of the things. I mean, look, it's this is this has been pretty effective, I think, in in, in getting people's attention. Where um, in the past, if you were to go to a co-op board meeting, and and I'm, I know you've done a ton. I mean, I've done a ton <laughs> every this. night. <laughs> every day, you know, we listen. Like you can save twenty percent on your fuel. Your you know your building is eighty-one degrees. Yeah, I know, but you know, we, you know. We like comfort. We don't want them complaining. We're not running a tenement. You know, these are all the discussions that we have. Like the roof has a leak and there's other things. And, you know, like, look, legitimately, there are other things going on in the building. Um, It just doesn't become anyone's focus. So I do hope that this does wake people up to the fact that there is a consequence to, you know, to to not running an efficient building or even making really any any attempt. Um, So I do think in, in some ways, it's finally bringing this conversation um, to the forefront and getting people's attention where it was a, uh, Hey, it'd be nice if we could run efficiently. Um, but you know, we'll do it next year. Uh, yeah. so that, I do think it, it, it is. Um, it is reaching its objective of, of getting this literally in front of people and getting it to the top of their mind. So I do um, think it's accomplishing that and it's, it should be an opportunity to say, Hey, I understand you don't like your grade. Are you ready to do something about it and yeah. talk about how to improve it? And these come along with discussions of, because we're in the time frame. if you get a, a 10-year mortgage, if you're refinancing your building, you're looking at all these projects on the capital side that knowing in 10 years, we have to reduce our energy consumption by 80%. You know, So these are discussions that are driving the train for financing and for, are we doing assessments? Are we doing a refinance? Are we doing a line of credit? You know, all of these discussions now are popping up because of these letter grades. And you noted that the building has to put it on the door um, in a visible place when people walk by. Yep. Before, when we started, I said that it slid down from 50,000 to 25,000 with local 84 and then 133 for 25,000. And I said to you on the phone the other day when we were having our initial discussion, I said, I could, I would, I am of the mindset and the belief that this will continue sliding to either 10 or 15,000 square feet buildings, because now that the city is getting better at it and they're able to have the infrastructure to take in all this data and they want to go green as, as carbon neutral as possible. I can imagine that almost every building in the city is going to be subject to this at some point in the future. I wouldn't be surprised, put it that way. Um, it went from 50 to 25. And if they were to come out with, hey, it, it, it applies to buildings under 10, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. So what else are you seeing on the horizon besides this? Is it, I know this is probably taking up all of your time. You do the 87 reports as well? Yeah. I mean, I think that, again, like a lot of people are sort of going through the motions with local 87, you know, doing the bare minimum. Um we would offer to talk to people about their reports and how they could improve their buildings. And I don't know, maybe 20% of people would take us up on it. All of a sudden, actually today, 
I got a call. Hey, can you send me my energy audit? I know we filed with you in 2018. So I think people are, hopefully this will get people to focus on um, their energy efficiency and it'll help make local I-87 more meaningful because if you have local I-87 do, it's a great opportunity to address your, um, your grade. If you did local I-87 two or three years ago, unless you've done something, some significant changes, changes in the building, you may have all the clues right there. So you spent the money on local ID seven. You may as well use the report as a guideline to uh, right. improve efficiency. It's almost like an unofficial, you know, when we do the financial statements for co-ops and condos, um, there's a line in there that says if the building has or has not done a capital review, you know, a 10 year plan or a capital plan. And we usually leave it out. Even if and we ask that it not be finalized because there's reasons for that, but this is almost a way of, those buildings taking a look, a hard look at what's needed capital, you know, capital wise over the next few years. So any, any information you have is just going to be more and more and positive. Um, well, that's great. I think we covered a lot, actually. I think we covered all of my questions. Is there anything else that you wanted to give everybody at home? No, I mean, just, you know, it's, it's time to pay attention to this. It, you know, it's time to know who's doing your benchmarking. It's time to, to understand it and to take action. And it's really gonna be in the next 10 years, it's gonna be the, the people that can take a building and, and make it more efficient, you know, that are gonna get the, the A's and the B's. And um, the, the sooner you start on it now, and I just, yeah, I can't emphasize enough um, solar panels and, and new boilers and all these windows, they're all fantastic. Um, but it's sort of like having dessert before you, you know, you have, dinner um the meat and potatoes will get you very very far yeah um, when you've done the dirty work that other stuff is sort of like a cherry on top um so it's going to be the details of that type of common sense work that will get people very far with this so they shouldn't panic yeah That's that would good. be good the, advice. The number, number one thing is don't panic start with the basics and then you'll 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 be fine and as of today we have almost nine years to go through this. So if, nine years, yep. if people start now, they'll be fine. You'll be fine. Don't rush into, don't wait until 2028. Cause then all the vendors are going to be used up and yeah, exactly. it's going to be much more expensive. Start now and start with the basics and you don't have anything to worry about. So where can people find you on the web? What's your, what's your website? Uh, it's Carlton and there's an E in there. So it's C A R L E T O N um, E C like energy consulting.com. So carltonec.com is our website and you know we're based uh, midtown manhattan we're close to our buildings we do all of our work in-house so we're we're local and we're available to help out so well awesome well I, I certainly appreciate the time i think everybody listening hopefully to this point especially at the end learn something um if you want to again email uh me i'm happy to answer any questions you have at nyc real estate podcast at gmail.com. That's NYC real estate podcast at gmail.com. And of course, you know, as we said before, if you could spread the word around, we'd be more than uh, glad. And uh, we're happy to have you. It's been a little bit of a lull the last few months. It's been a little COVID crazy and annual meeting season, but I'm happy that you're the first person that we got back. I think this is episode 31. So we're, we're checking our way through. And uh, if we have any questions, I'm going to forward all my questions, Jeff, to you that come in through, you know, to me, if any do, and, uh, we'll, we'll get those answered as well. But, uh, Jeff's group, 
we've been working with them for a year or two and you know, everything has been very easy so far with you guys. So I appreciate that. Um, and that's it. So we'll talk to you next time. Hey, thank you, Mark. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.